Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Ruby for All. What's up, Julie? Hello. I am here with a sick child at home who's with his dad right now. But I was telling you earlier, the kids have been sick for like at least a month, just kind of off and on, giving each other different things. And luckily, I have not been sick at all this whole time. Nice. The last time I got sick was the last time I was around children, so... I mean, I don't know how you've stayed healthy, but congratulations. And hopefully everyone in your home feels better soon. Thank you. I am all over the place doing stuff and work and stuff and work and stuff. Yesterday, Colin put on Twitter that he was thinking about pairing or he was wanting to do like a mob pair session with any juniors who were interested. And mm-hmm. I hit him up and I was like, hey, dude, if you're doing this, I have some open source stuff I need to work on. Like I would love to hop in and just kind of hang out. And so did Jason Charns. And so it was me and Jason and Colin and a bunch of juniors. And we worked on a PR for the pay gem. And it was a lot of fun. And I really enjoyed it. And I want to do it more. That is awesome. I wish I was a part of that. Yeah, it was great. Someone got their first open source PR up. And we talked about the workflow for creating PRs. And what I really liked about what Colin did is as we ran into things during this PR, He was like, hey, that would be a great PR that you could open up to Rails to enhance this documentation, Mm. for instance. So I really love how Colin did it of like him not driving because that would be my temptation is to be like, I'll drive and y'all tell me what to do or something like that. But I really liked how he gave someone the reins and was like, so you'll be the one driving and then we'll all help you. And then just promoting like, hey, like this is a great place to make another PR and just, I don't know, it was was really cool. Very proud. Very happy. That's awesome. So did one person drive the whole time or did they take turns? One person drove the whole time. I mean, maybe in the future we could take turns. It kind of depends, right? Whether or not that's going to be faster or not. Because what I realized as we were doing is that not everyone was on a computer, I don't think. And not everyone necessarily had certain dependencies in order to run certain things. So like when the first person who was driving, we had to help them get set up with MySQL. If we had to do that for everyone... Possibly some of them had it, some of them didn't, but that could take a lot of time switching off. So maybe if it was not a feature that required certain services on your machine running, maybe then we could have switched off a lot more. The other thing I suggested to Colin, and I was like, I can maybe help you do this like later this week, is creating something called a dev container file inside of the GitHub repository, which would allow you to use GitHub code spaces. And that way you don't have to download MySQL and Postgres and everything else to get this stuff running. So I was like, it would be awesome if you guys just had that. That would make this a lot faster for this specific gem. I guess that's like two parts. One part is like, it's cool that they got to learn how to download all these dependencies. The second part is it does take time. The other thing I was thinking about is Tuple is really great for that because it could just be running on Colin's machine and someone could control Colin's computer using Tuple and just... You're 100% correct. The only problem is that you have to have an active Tuple subscription and then everyone else has to download it. And then isn't it Mac only? So then you run into that issue. And like the person that was driving was on a Linux machine. So I think Tuple is amazing, by the way. I love Tuple. But because we couldn't assume, and it's really not safe to assume that everyone's on a Mac, especially for like newer developers because Linux and Windows machines are just so much cheaper. So it makes a lot more sense for someone starting out to like start on one of those, I think, for cost, or especially because they might already have one, so. That's a good point. So it's only Mac? 
I know they were working on Linux. Maybe it's done already, but the last I heard it wasn't. And so it's only Mac and then they were adding in Linux support. I don't know if they're going to add Windows support or not. Got it. Yeah, I think the code spaces idea would be great. Also, we had a chance to test run that a year. It's been over a year now at this point for All Aboard Bootcamp. That was how we got all of our dev environment set up was through code spaces. And it worked pretty well at the time for just starting. Right. Like it was in beta and there was a little bit of hiccups, but we got it to work. Nice. The one recent change to code spaces that I really like is you can have it always open up in your local VS code because that's kind of the problem mm-hmm. I kept running. It's just like, I don't want to edit on the web. I want to edit in my editor, but I also don't want to fork and download this repository and set up all these dependencies and et cetera, et cetera. So I like that. And I know they changed like the pricing of it recently. So I don't know if it's now something you have to pay for or what, or if they still give you like a certain allotment of free time. I have no idea. I have a question about that because I was pairing with somebody on Rails and they told me that it should be available on code spaces. And we were trying to get it to work on code spaces on my machine, but it wasn't working. So we spent like an hour trying to get my dev set up to look at a Rails issue. And we never did end up figuring out why he had code spaces available, but I didn't. Had it available or was it not? Like, so if you go to Rails, there mm-hmm. should be a drop down that says opening code spaces or something like that. Right. My does not have that. Interesting. But his did. Very interesting. I have no idea. Maybe it's something with the way your account is set up. I have no clue. Yeah. We also looked at that too. By the way, should we explain what code spaces is if we're good? Yeah. Since we've tangented a little <laughs> bit, um, GitHub code spaces. What it does in the background is it sets up certain Docker containers for you and then it allows you to use VS Code in the browser and interact with your repository the way you would locally, but in the cloud and using cloud services. So an application for this would easily be, hey, I want to work on my Rails app, but I'm on an iPad on a plane. And Codespaces, since it runs completely in the browser, to run a Rails app, typically you need some sort of database. So let's just go with Postgres. And maybe you need Redis. And then you obviously need to run the application. And then maybe you need to run other services or whatever. So you have these system dependencies that you need. And your iPad, for instance, is not going to have those. So what it does is it takes all those things and it creates... What I'm pretty sure it's doing is just bundling all those into a Docker container and then basically opening you up uh, an editor in the context of that container where you've specified certain services you want available and you've specified maybe you want certain ports to be available so that when you start the Rails app, we're normally running our Rails apps on like localhost 5000 or whatever. And you're not going to have localhost available when you're running it in the cloud because it doesn't know about localhost. It's running as a service in a server farm somewhere and it only knows about what it knows. So it will actually do port forwarding and basically say, okay, inside of this container, anything that goes to localhost 4000, we actually want to alias that to this random URL, random actual URL that will resolve in the browser so that I can go when it's pointing to localhost, but it's actually like an HTTPS route in the browser. If that makes sense. That part's a little confusing, but that's what it does. I could not explain it like that. And I think it's really cool. What I like about it though is that 
we talked about this dev container file earlier. And what it basically is, is a configuration file for the code spaces that get set up. And so you can even specify certain VS code extensions that you want it to automatically have and certain commands you want it to run. And so if you're familiar with Docker, it will make a lot of sense, but you can add this to your repository so that anyone can just hit the code spaces button and start the application and get it all running. And if you don't have that file, then it's just going to open in the code spaces editor, but it's not going to be able to run because it won't have Ruby or it won't have Postgres. It won't have these things that you have to define in the configuration that need to be added into the Docker container. Hmm. So I'm assuming you'd have to have, if you wanted it in your local, you'd have to be using VS Code, right? Yes. Yeah. I think we talked about that, right? So you can have it open on your VS Code on your desktop versus in the online version. Yes. Yep. That's what you just said. As soon as I started yeah, that, saying, I was like, wait, that's just what you just said. Yeah, yes. I was just going back to you explaining that it could be on your local. Cool. I ran into an issue the other day. I was like, why is this code space not starting? And I think it's because I deleted Docker off my machine. So I think you might need to have Docker on your computer to open it up locally. Oh, really? I'm not sure. I deleted Docker and all of a sudden my code space wasn't working. Okay. So... Or it wasn't you, working when I told it to open up in VS Code on my desktop, but it was working when I was like, hey, just do this in the browser. Did you end up getting Docker back on your computer and then it started working again? I did not because I don't want to install Docker on my computer again. And so <laughs> I just switched the setting in GitHub that sets the preference for where it opens, which is in your settings and then the code spaces tab on GitHub. And was like, hey, mm -hmm. just open this in the browser because I'm not interested in dealing with this right now. So now I'm curious why you don't want Docker on your computer. Well, because I don't need it. I don't think it's kind of a heavy application and it can really take up a lot on your machine in terms of resources. And I just thought I didn't need it anymore because I don't use it anymore for anything. And so I was like, I can get rid of it. Sweet. And I also ran into a bug with Docker on my M1 Mac. So I was like, why do I have Docker anymore? Just nuke it. But mm -hmm. if I have to add it back for this to work, I might just do that because I do much prefer working on it in my editor specifically because I hit command W a lot to close tabs in VS Code and in the browser <laughs> closes the window. <laughs> so then you have to like go back to GitHub, go back to the code space. It has to reinitialize, either reopen everything back up and it's like, ugh. So that's why I like doing it in, the, in my editor because I'm not going to accidentally hit something weird. Yeah, that's a good point. Cool. Yeah. That's what Codespaces was. Tangent over, we wanted to talk a little bit about... So you just got back from RubyConf Mini, Rhode Island. A little recap on that. So how was it? I had a really good time. I might have even had a better time than at RailsConf. And if anybody recalls, RailsConf is much bigger. I think there were 1,200 people that registered. And for RubyConf Mini, it was really nice because it was more cozy. There was... I want to say 160 people registered and okay. I had a great time. Like if you were to ask me to summarize it, I don't know what to say other than continuously develop the meaningful connections with the people that I have. There's also a lot of great talks. Yeah. So I'm not going to ask you to summarize it, but I will ask you to summarize like how you feel now coming home. Do you feel energized, excited about anything? Was there anything really cool and you just kind of feel inspired or are you just tired, right? Because that's usually what I am after a conference. So like, how are you feeling? I remember after coming back from RailsConf, I was really down. 
I was seeing everybody that I liked every day. And then all of a sudden I was alone. I didn't really feel that way this time. I'm not sure what it is. Well, I don't feel too tired and I don't feel like I needed alone time. I felt like when I came back, I spent the weekend with my kids. I didn't see them for five days and it was like really great. I just felt like I was there for them. That's awesome. That turned out unexpectedly wholesome. I feel warm inside now. (laughs) I know what you mean though about the feeling of coming back from a conference and feeling down though. I feel like that and I've had other friends say the same thing and I don't really know what it is. It's almost like you go up so high, like there's so Mm -hmm. much going on, there's so many new people, there's so many faces, so much to do and then you're just exhausted and then you're interacting with all these people that you don't normally interact with. I'm very introverted, so I have to put on my extrovert face when I go to these conferences. And that is incredibly exhausting. And I usually go into a little funk after, but I'm very glad to hear that you are not in one. That's awesome. How many conferences have you been to this year? This year, five-ish. Five. Did you feel that way after all of them? I think so. Oh, wow. I don't remember. Like, I went to... Vegas very early on. And I don't remember how I felt about after that, but I have still imagined I was pretty tired. I drove though. I can't remember that one. I definitely, after RailsConf for sure, definitely after RailsSASConf for sure. And then maybe it was only four I went to. I think there was another one that I'm not remembering. Oh, I went to like a work thing, which I counted as a conference. So that wasn't actually a conference. (laughs) I feel like I'm missing one. Maybe not. Maybe it's only been three. Still three. Well, yeah, that's a lot. This was like the first year that they've been in person again. Yes. You asked if it was because of the number of people. I really don't know. I just also wanted to say that on my flight back from RailsConf, I was sort of in the back of the plane. I think I was in a window seat and I got really sick, like vertigo or motion sickness. And I had to get out of my seat, sit in the very back and just take my mask down and start breathing. So I prepared myself this time. I had a really late flight coming back. It was supposed to fly at like 920. So it wouldn't make it back to my home until one in the morning. Mm -hmm. But I requested to stand by on an earlier flight and end up making it. But I was in the very last row, also a window seat. And I was like, I don't want to do that to myself. So I asked them, is there any seat that's closer to the front that I can sit at to avoid this from happening. And they gave me row six, which is the exit row. And there is like five feet of space in front of me. And I'm not very tall, so I didn't have to use that space, but it was really nice to kick up my feet on top of my backpack and just kind of be there. There is a flight attendant that was just over the top, amazing, was there for me throughout the way. And she saw that I wasn't feeling well during takeoff and landing and she was there to talk me through it. And yeah, I had a really great time and didn't end up getting as sick. And I don't Sweet. know if that has anything to do with it, but I remember coming back from RailsConf, I needed like a day to recover from my motion sickness, whatever you call right. it. I don't mind flying. I'm not afraid of flying at all. I'm not afraid of crashing. If anything, I'm the guy that's like, hey, the majority of airplane crashes occur during takeoff and landing like to my seatmate, like as we're about to like jet down the runway. So I'm that guy, but flying in an airplane takes so much out of me and it's so uncomfortable and I just despise it so much. So JetBlue has free Wi-Fi, which is also really nice because I'm sitting there messaging like, 
get me out of this plane, get me on the ground. Nice. I did not know that. That's good to know. Yeah. I want free Wi-Fi. And, and free snacks. So. Ah, now we're talking. <laughs> now we're talking. I want to take a second to thank Andy Kroll for personally sponsoring this episode of Ruby for All. Julie and I are really excited with what Andy is doing currently for juniors in the community by organizing First Ruby Friend, a way for early career devs to connect with volunteer mentors in the Ruby community to help further them in their careers. If you're interested in being a mentor or a mentee, go on over to firstrubyfriend.org and sign up. Andy also has an awesome newsletter called One Ruby Thing that we definitely recommend at onerubything.com where you can get a new Ruby and Rails tip delivered straight to your inbox. If you're looking to level up, this is a great resource that is free to the community and friendly for all levels of expertise. A big thank you again for Andy for sponsoring today's episode and look for links to First Ruby Friend and One Ruby Thing in the show notes. Did you do any after conference things, any dinners or anything? Kind of what was that vibe like? Because I was a speaker, there was also a speaker dinner that I got to attend, which was really nice. We met a lot of the other speakers and it was really low key, nice. There was a lot of people playing games and it was like a nice easing into the conference. Was the food good? Yes, but I don't really remember. But you would remember if it was bad. (laughs) Right. A lot of times I've eaten really good at some of these conferences and then not so much at other conferences. So I was just curious. RubyConf 2019, I think, was like the best food I've ever had at a conference. It was amazing. Uh, it was like salmon. Salmon. Oh. Like, I haven't had anything close to as good as that at a conference. It was so well done. It was amazing. That's awesome. I don't remember all the food. I'll have to ask my friend who was there with me. But we were just like, oh, my God, this is the greatest thing ever. So then on Tuesday, that was WNB.RB's reception. They had an event in the evening. That was really nice because I got to spend even more time with the connections I've made. And I don't remember what I did on Wednesday. And I think I don't remember because the next day was my talk. And so I was probably updating my slides up until leaving the hotel and walking to my talk. I have never done that before, he said with incredible sarcasm. So how did your talk go? How did you feel about it? Did you have a nodder? Oh, yes. I want to say I had multiple nodders and it was just so nice to be supported in that way. I know in the very front row, I had Nadia and Daniel Colson. That's cool. Were you nervous? I imagine leading up to it, right? I was definitely nervous, but I think it really helped because Andrea, my co-speaker, was there on the stage the whole time with me and that helped a lot. And I think it went well. I'm really sorry that the videos are not released. So listeners, if you weren't there, you won't be able to see what we talked about. As soon as I was done, I had to kneel down and my legs couldn't hold myself up any longer. It sounds like it went well then. (laughs) Yeah. That's good. I'm so proud of both of y'all. I mean, I also love that y'all did it together because I didn't know that was a thing that you could do like when I first got into the community. If the listeners have been listening, they know that at RailsConf, I did a talk with Jason and Chris and I felt so comfortable because they were there. So I'm glad that y'all were able to do it together, especially for your first like in-person on stage conference, because that made me feel very safe, I guess. Yeah. And also we had a chance to do a dry run on that same stage the evening before. So that helped boost the confidence. Oh, that's a great idea. 
I totally forgot. It's also on the podcast panel on Tuesday. Yes, I forgot about that too. How did that go? I was extremely nervous for that. I want to say I was even more nervous for that than I was for the talk. And I think it's because I don't know the direction it could lead. Some of the things that I'll mention here will probably be edited out of the actual outcome of the podcast panel. But towards the end, Brittany had asked a question and I thought that the panel was over. So I sort of just like relaxed and stopped listening. And so when she asked the question, she asked it to me first. And she said, Julia, send this over to you. And then I had to say, what was the question? (laughs) And then she repeated the question, but I didn't know how to answer it. So I said, can I go last? But do you end up answering it though? I ended up answering it and you're going to have to listen to the podcast panel to find out how it ended up answering because I don't want to give away how funny it ended up being. If Brittany keeps it, she mentioned she was going to title it a certain way. And yeah, the question answers why we have that title. Sweet. Well, then (laughs) I will be sure to look out for that. I was about to ask you everyone that was on the panel. I do remember everyone that's on the panel. Andy Kroll. Yep. Shout out to Andy, our sponsor. Yes, definitely. Joelle from the Bike Shed. Yep. And Drew Bragg from... The Coding Coders (laughs) and the Coders Who Code It, I think. Hey, nice. That's it. Boom. Nice. Okay. And then there was me and then Brittany, of course. Sweet. Very cool. That is awesome. I'm glad that you got to be able to do that because Brittany usually does those at conferences. So Hmm. in the future, when we are both there together, maybe you get to do it again. I... Really appreciated Brittany's. She's so great at what she does. I can't do that, but I really appreciated having her there. Yeah, Brittany has superpowers that I can only dream of possessing, but that's why we love her. All right, so you were in Rhode Island. Anything cool in Rhode Island that you remember? Or is it, there's not a lot in Rhode Island, right? Was there anything around the city that you did that was fun? The food is pretty good because I used to travel out there I used to stay in Providence a lot for when I traveled working for CVS because CVS's headquarters is in Woonsocket. So I didn't actually explore. Oh, Andrea and I did go out and get Frisky Fries one day. The place is called Frisky Fries and they basically put a bunch of different toppings, whatever you want to order. And I had, can't remember what it's called, but it was like the loaded potato that had sour cream and bacon. Oh, yum. I love that. One of my favorites. I had a craving for fries and Andre came just at the right time. I think they kind of do this in the South, but like in Arizona with hash browns, at least at this place that I like to get them from, they'll be like, do you want them loaded? And when they're loaded, they have like sour cream and chives and cheese. And oh my God, it's so good. Mm. Ugh, now I want hash browns. Like if you had to summarize like your thoughts on the conference, kind of as we round the bend here, would you go again? What do you have to say about it? Yeah, hands down, I would go again. I do feel like I enjoy the RubyConf vibe a lot and definitely will try to make it to the next RubyConf. Definitely for those who didn't go or who wants to rewatch it, all of the keynotes were amazing. I really appreciated those. I think those were one of the only talks that I did make it to since I was trying to prepare for mine. And I really enjoyed all of them. Very cool. I hope that RubyConf Mini just becomes its own regional conference because I really want to see more regional conferences come back 
they provide something that the bigger conferences like RubyConf and RailsConf don't. And this year, there have been more than there have been in the last few years. And I think that's a great trend. And I would love to see that continue. Bring back these local, bring back the local meetups. We need to get those back up and running. That used to be what our community was known for. Yeah, I think that is exactly what RubyConf Mini did for people is it's inspiring people to start up their own regional ones. And by the way, RubyConf Mini was put on by Gemma Isra, Emily Samp, Andy Kroll. So thank you so much to them for doing this. But also, I think Gemma had stated there were going to be some regional ones that would appear. And she listed some cities. I don't remember what those cities were, but I am looking forward to what 2023 looks like for this. That is great news. I love that. (laughs) Yeah, big shout out to all of them. I've never run a conference. I've had someone tell me that I should and I asked them if they were concussed because I was like, I truly, I kid you not, I will never do that because that, oh my God, I don't even want to think about it. But Jason has put on regional conferences for Southeast Ruby. And if anything, his horror stories are why I would never do it. Mm. But I think if you have the right help and if you have the right people around you, you can make it a massive success and you can really make an impact in the community. And like people don't forget that. So big shout out to all three of them. I know it's a lot of work and it sounds like everyone was very happy with the results. So congratulations to all of them. Totally. Cool. Well, I guess the next conference coming up is RubyConf in Houston. So I know some of our listeners will be there. So have fun. And I guess for you and I, that's it until we come back next week. Bye. Bye, everyone.